1: Terms and conditions
2: apply. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TA KO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Boom! What up America? Doug Gottlieb show. Fox Sports Radio. What a great football weekend we had. What a great weekend. I mean, as long as you're not an SC fan, as long as you're not a Florida State fan, yikes, yikes, as long as you're not a Packers fan, a Browns fan, what a week, a Giants fan, what a weekend we have. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Dan Beyer and the updates and the games. Iowa Sam on the ones and twos, and it's a Stu production. Iowa Sam doing a little victory lap. My pick, which came out uh, Thursday on the Hawk, was Moneyline take Iowa. Not just the four and a half points that Vegas was giving you. What a blowout that was in Ames. Um Maybe they'll be Brock-tober. There's definitely not Brock-tember. you, you got to know about Brock Purdy and getting pulled in order to get that joke. It was, a, it was a pretty good one. we got a lot to get to. Keenan Allen of your 1-0 LA Chargers going to join us. It, it feels like forever ago the Chargers actually started the season with a win. How big was it with the Washington football team? And oh, yeah, by the way, speaking of Washington football team, stop me if you've heard this before, but their starting quarterback is injured. Like, go back and look. Has there, over the last... Three years has there been a team with more starting quarterback injuries? I mean, two years ago the the terrible injury to Alex Smith, and then Colt McCoy came in and he broke a leg as his first game in as well. But Taylor Heineke kind of tries to save the day, and what's it say about Cam Newton? I'll tell you that upcoming. Check out the latest lines from the world of sports at Bet River Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. You must be president in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play a gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Um, let's start with the obvious one. Okay, for the record, I have always been and will always be an Aaron Rodgers fan. For the record. I understood why the Green Bay Packers selected Jordan Love two years ago in the NFL draft. You know, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers showed the slippage that many people thought they saw two years ago, but I understood based upon Jordan Love as a developmental prospect, based upon the fact that as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to get a top 10 pick, and his contract, and the timing. The idea is you have somebody ready in case he ages. Or he leaves. Both are our possibility. Aaron Rodgers was a big pfft to everybody last year winning the MVP and playing unbelievable football. B- but you you are who your best player is in sports. Ask yourself, right? Who is your best player? and then look at the team and generally, they mirror one another. Not always. But usually, when you're a good team especially, I mean, look at the idea of Tom Brady. And look, do I think Tom Brady has a good time in the offseason? Sure, he played golf with Aaron Rodgers, by the way. He got white boy wasted the victory parade. He had knee surgery, so he probably couldn't get out in the practice field. But when Aaron Rodgers uttered the words, hey, man, I was 50-50 as far as if I want to retire. He had all of the ammo in his bag for what the Packers had done wrong and who they had done wrong. And I remain an Aaron Rodgers fan, and I know it's not all his fault. His offensive line, which was rebuilt, got destroyed yesterday afternoon. I think Sean Payton coached an absolute virtuoso. Right. They a lot of body blows. They ran the hell out of the football. The heat, the humidity of a team from the Midwest coming down and playing outside in Jacksonville. It was body blow after body blow after body blow in the first half. And then once you get behind, now you can pin your ears back and rush the passer. And that's exactly what they did. The Packers look collectively terrible. Terrible. You have a new defensive coordinator, you can't stop the run. Offensively, you have a new offensive line, they can't protect the passer. But you are who your best player is. And Aaron Rodgers looked, frankly, with his hair and with his play, like a guy who hiked Machu Picchu this summer, not like a guy who locked in on how do I win one more game and get back to a Super Bowl? It doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers didn't work hard. He's not in great physical condition. Although... We'll be honest, he did not move away from the pass rush the way that Aaron Rodgers used to. But between body language and just overall sense, and then of course, though it wasn't truly an exclusive interview with Aaron Rodgers, the continual assertion of, hey, I really thought about retiring. How do you think that plays in the locker room? How do you think that looks towards your organization? Whether it's whether it's real or it's fake, I, I coward pointed out Russell Wilson, right? Like, if you're under contract, you're going to play. You don't go, well, this is the last dance. This is the last time we're going to be together. I might call it a day or switch teams. When you lose in the NFC Championship game, the way in which they lost in the NFC Championship game, where the defense did his part in the second half and gave him multiple opportunities. The only thing your star of your organization, the face of your franchise, says. You say is, I cannot wait to get back out there because this year we're going to kick the door in. Bum Phillips style, right? NFC Championship game passed two years. Two years ago, blown out by San Francisco. Last year, come, come from behind, a chance to win the game. And that's what they do. Cowherd used my line. It's not really my line, it's a, it's a college basketball line, which is the sins of the summer are paid for in the winter. And and while so many have been openly critical, how dare the Packers draft an heir apparent who is going to be ready, hopefully, by the time that Aaron Rodgers contract becomes reasonable to get off the books? I I don't even know if they know they're going to turn to Jordan Love. But how dare they do that? How dare they, they they get a get a guy when look at Aaron Rodgers Did he look or feel like a guy who was all in? Did he look or feel like a guy who the body language is bad? I mean, I don't know what that throw was. They're down 17-3, and he just airmails one as if to say, F it, I don't like the call, nobody's open, I'm throwing it deep, get me the hell out of here. That's your franchise player? That's the guy who wants to dictate and determine who's on and not on his football team? I just, look, this is no different than Jalen Ramsey or Richard Sherman. You can, Russell Wilson, you can talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. This is Aaron Rodgers describing the loss. This is a good uh, good kick in the you-know-where. Hopefully uh, get us going in the
5: right direction, going back home and playing division opponent next week.
2: This is Matt LaFleur, the head coach on that uh, butt whooping.
5: Absolutely embarrassed us today
6: and can't do that against a well-coached and quality football team. Our guys are going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror. It starts with myself. Obviously, didn't get these guys ready to play ball.
2: And that's what happens when you when you go out there and play like that against a good football team. They got their asses kicked. But to me, a guy who has been an ardent defender of Aaron Rodgers, a guy who checks Every box of what a quarterback should be able to and can do, if they have the talent set, if they have the mental capabilities, if they have the toughness, if they have the what's that Cam Newton aura? I I, he looked like a guy who spent the summer trying to figure out life and not trying to figure out the cover two. He looked like a guy who just got done hiking mountains and. In in Malaysia or Indonesia or Machu Picchu or in Hawaii. One foot in the circle is not two feet in and everyone knows what that looks like. And everyone on that roster gets it like when he's when it's bad, I'm out. Now, we have to have balance and perspective and understand the Bills look like crap yesterday. Plenty of good football teams that didn't play well, that will play well eventually. And we've seen these uneven matchups in the first couple weeks of the season. But that was a yikes.
4: An absolute yikes. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio
0: and the iHeartRadio app.
7: Doug
2: Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That is, I, the, you know, Twitter can be an amazing place. Really amazing place where you learn something. People sliding your DMs, like people from high school, like, wow, I had no idea. Very cool stuff. At Gottlieb Show is the Twitter handle. Okay, look, remember last week when um, I tried to paint a realistic picture for, uh, for Cam Newton and what was really going on with Cam Newton? You guys remember that? Of course you do. Okay, so what happened with Washington over the weekend? I know they're reporting, hey, just precautionary measure for Ryan Fitzpatrick with a hip injury. Like get out of here, precautionary measure. <laughs> He's on the IR. right? He's on the IR. Dan Byer, how long the IR? How long does that hold him out until? Oh well, the preseason IR, it's like week six. What is in season IR? There,
7: there are a bunch of different ways, but minimum of three weeks is what. uh, Yeah, what we could get for Ryan Fitzpatrick, short term IR.
2: Yeah, so like, look, that's that's the minimum. But when a do people know that he's thirty eight years old? Like, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's been around a while. I would guess there's not a lot of people who actually know that he's 38 years old. He's been doing so. When an old quarterback suffers an apparent hip injury, that is a yikes, yikes. Um, And of course, you have Mike Florio, who's like, this could be a spot for Cam Newton. And I told you guys this look, the way it works in the NFL is the way it works in your workplace, in my workplace. When you, when you need somebody, you, you like, you generally like somebody who you've worked with before, you know, them, they know you, it doesn't mean they're perfect, but it does mean it absolutely means that they have a, you have a good working relationship and understand what everybody does and how they do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So quarterback goes down, Opportunity presents itself. What do you think happens? Right. So the offensive coordinator of the Washington football team is Scott Turner. That name sounds familiar. His dad is Norv Turner. Right. Again, all of this, it's all kind of related, uh, all related together. Right? The quarterback coach is Ken Zampezi. How does that name sound familiar? Like, what do you know about Ken Zampezi? Well, like, do you know his dad was a legendary coach, right? And Ken Zampezi has been in the league forever. And he was in Cincinnati with Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton. He also was in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Right? So guys, bring in people. When when Zampezi has been a league forever, Scott Turner's been a league forever, and his dad, Norv Turner, also coached Cam as did Scott Cam's last year in Carolina. And then of course their head coaches, Ron Rivera, went to a Super Bowl. Who is the MVP of the league? Who is his quarterback? Cam Newton. Cam Newton can be had for nothing, pennies on the dollar. Who's available? Well, they instead went with a practice team quarterback, right? And that practice team quarterback, ironically, or maybe not so ironically, right? Not so ironically is, they went and signed a quarterback with a a historic name, right? That's what they did. They went and signed a practice team quarterback whose dad has been a uh, you know, Dad has been a, a an offense coordinator. Kyle Schirmer is their practice squad quarterback. Their starter is Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke was in Carolina when Cam got hurt. Kyle Allen is their backup. Was Cam Newton's backup. The Carolina Panther, excuse me, the Washington Football Team traded for Kyle Allen, signed Taylor Heineke, and has passed five times over on a minimum contract. For Cam Newton, who the head coach worked with and the offensive coordinator worked with. The head coach had him take him to a Super Bowl. The quarterback coach has been in the league forever. The offensive coordinator worked with him and his dad worked with him as well. And they've said, we're good here. If there was a place for Cam Newton to play, that would be the one. And the fact that he's not being picked up is all you need to know about how the league, and especially how Ron Rivera views his former star quarterback. He just doesn't have it anymore. And the idea he doesn't want to be a backup, how do you think that goes over? All of these scenarios aren't the same. For me, the reason that it was was so good okay, for the Chargers and so big for the Chargers is... Um, is, is that the way in which you win a football game, right? You get the ball with 6.43 to go. You're down, you're down four, you're up four points. And I mean, outside of a championship drive, right? Or a winning drive where you score a touchdown, you're down four and you score a touchdown and you leave no time on the clock. Outside of that, getting the ball on the road, 6.43 to go and not letting the other team get it back, especially when... And I know that they're more pass rush, but that's a great front seven, especially front four for the Washington football team. They got the ball 643 to go and never gave it back. That That's a that's a huge win for them. Now they get the Cowboys and it'll be a road game, even though at home with all the Cowboys fans in Los Angeles. That said, the Cowboys are all banged up and the Chargers do not appear to be nearly as banged up. So I felt like that was a huge. Let, let's ask Keenan Allen, of course, a star wide receiver who had Two big third down catches on that final drive. Keenan to, to get to get the ball back with I think six forty three to said go.
6: Something like
2: that. To to, to get to, to Keenan, you with us? Keenan Allen joining us on the Doug Gottlieb yes. show on Fox Portrait. Thanks, Keenan. So look, to get the ball back with six and change to go and to never give the football up, how how much does that change how you there's a lot of ways to win a game. Last year in Cincinnati you needed a missed chippy field goal, but to never it feels like a different kind of win for the Chargers. A, am I crazy to think that way?
6: No, it um it's good. Um like you said, we finished the game with the ball in our hands. We didn't even have to kick a field goal to go off a touchdown. So that's always good. It felt dominant to do that and um you know, we feel good about it.
2: Justin Herbert, year one to year two, obviously finding you twice, third down on that last drive. You guys have a great connection. How, how has he evolved from last year to this year?
6: Uh, more settled in, more confident, uh, more composed. Um, he's able to be resilient. You see him after the, after the interception late. Um, he's coming back down in this Keeps binging third downs after third down. Um, He's a special man, a lot of talent. uh, You know, he doesn't take it for granted. He shows up every day and he he goes to work.
2: New coaching staff. What'd you learn about the coaching staff for having played? You played for a bunch of them in your time with the Chargers. What would you learn about this coaching staff, uh, having seen him week week one on the road in a close game?
6: Yeah, well put together. Well put together. Um, uh, Well led, I would say. Kept the energy up for us all all week. Uh, Kept us uh, healthy all week. Kept our bodies feeling good. I thought the game plan was amazing. You know, both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Even, Even special teams, so everything was good.
2: Uh, Keenan Allen joining us uh, on the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio Chargers. to know: beat the Washington football team 20-16, to now home so-fi. You played there for an exhibition. You played there last year, but you haven't played in front of a full house. I'm sure you watched at least a little bit of the Rams playing in front of a full house. Uh, what's the feeling like of actually having a brand-new home stadium through all you guys have been through? Yeah, man, it'll be fun.
6: It'll be fun. Can't wait for it. Uh, can't wait for the fans. You know, and uh, it'll be exciting.
2: Does it? Does it feel different, right? Because I'll tell you, when you watch the Chargers at home for years, it had been okay. Something's gonna go wrong here, and obviously, you go back three years ago and things went right. Is there a different feeling with this team?
6: Uh, Yeah, I think so. A little bit, a little bit different um, uh, culture. A little bit different lead, and. You know, we got different dogs at the the,
2: the start. Yeah, it's 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 very true. Keenan Allen's our guest here, Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Like for you, now you're starting to get. And you've always gotten a level of respect, but it feels like it's changed where I saw people talking about you as the best route runner in football. And anybody who follows the Chargers knows how you've been valued within that organization. But what's that like for you to get the national recognition, even though you've been putting in work for years?
6: That's cool, man. It's uh, I think it's always good to be respected by by uh by your peers and other people, you know, that that recognize talent and uh, hard work stuff like that. So that's cool.
2: Big Rashawn, uh, little little different when you got Big Rashawn Slater at left tackle, right? Like, oh, holy, yeah. howly, holy cow, he was crushing dudes yesterday against a good defensive line. Yeah,
6: yeah, he he showed out, man. Uh, he, he showed that he was worth every penny that he got and more.
2: Yeah, listen, Keenan, thanks for uh, joining us. Congrats on the win. We appreciate it. We'll see you in SoFi this weekend.
4: All right, now. Appreciate it. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox
0: Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
2: You guys familiar with the uh, comedian Steve Martin? He's been an actor as well. Honey, I... uh, Is he Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Parenthood as well, right? The movie Parenthood. Uh, He used to have this bit where he said, uh, comedy is all about tie, tie, timing, right? So too is sports radio. Joel Klatt is our next guest. He'll join us in five minutes or so. But we have breaking news, which will relate to Joel Klatt's appearance. Let's go to Dan Beyer
7: for that break.
1: Breaking news from Fox Sports.
7: Doug Clay Helton has been fired as the head football coach at USC. Athletic director Mike Bone releasing the statement today saying that interim Dante Williams will serve as the interim head coach as he, quote, gives us a higher probability for success the remainder of the season. In 70 games as the Trojans head coach, Clay Helton won 46 of those, but a tough loss, demoralizing loss to the Stanford Cardinal on Saturday ended up being the final game for Clay Helton out as the head coach at USC.
2: All right, let the speculation begin. Do they go NFL guy? There doesn't seem to be like a West Coast surefire. This is the guy, right? I mean, I, I don't think they'll hire Helfrich, you know, who was fired by Oregon. But obviously, he's the one. I mean, you look at Justin Herbert. He was the one who signed Justin Herbert. They just they had a bad they had a bad year and he got fired. And then they struggle to recover and now Mario Cristobal seems to have it back going at at Oregon. Um Chris Peterson's name was always one. Yeah, I just I don't know if Chris Peterson wants it. You know? This don't know if you walk away from Washington, do you want USC? He got a lot of money. He's got this house in Boise he never sold. He's got a bunch like I just I don't know if he wants it. He might if he does, it's a it's a still a very good job. Very good job. Um And it, it doesn't recruit itself, but you can very much recruit there. Just, you know, you think out loud of who are your possible, you know, who are the guys you could possibly go out and, and get, is there a college assistant who fits, who fits, you know, or, or a fired, I mean, when they last had success, obviously Pete Carroll was their coach, a fired uh, NFL head coach. Obviously, Jack Del Rio was discussed like a million different times. I don't see it happening if it hasn't happened yet. But you never know. Del Rio obviously working in Jacksonville and the relationship there with Urban Meyer and Mike Bone, even though people thought Mike Bone could hire I don't think they'd bring in Luke Fickle, who, of course, he hired at Cincinnati. Fickle did not do a good job when he's at Ohio State, even if he has done a good job at Cincinnati.
7: A man. Yeah, the Ohio State thing was tricky just because it was... The dismissal of Jim Trestle and then trying to take over um, that one season, but then he stayed on with uh, with Urban Meyer and that helped him then land a Cincinnati job. So,
2: well, obviously there's one other Ohioan who's out there who's been very successful, who is available. We just don't know if he still wants to coach, and that's uh, Bob Stoops. Right? You can hire Bob Stoops; you do it in a second. You know, I I don't know if Bob wants to coach. Of course, his dad. Uh, his dad dropped dead coaching out to a heart attack, and there were some health questions, and that's why Bob walked away. And he's got a good gig now, obviously with Fox. But man, if yeah. it's Oklahoma, if it's at USC, I don't know if he turned down.
7: Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if you do. I, I you know, that you look at the premier college football programs of the country, and you, Nick Saban in Alabama, obviously. Dabo turns Clemson over. Dabo was an assistant that was promoted. Ryan Day was brought in. Urban Meyer. Uh, I don't know if Groomed is the head coach, but he ended up being the guy. You mentioned Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley's now taking that program to places. I just just seems that that young is the way to go. To, to you know, and, and and that may also be a reason why maybe Chris Peterson isn't. But and and maybe and maybe those programs were left in good hands, and those guys just took the reins and moved on. But you know, you see what Matt Campbell did at Iowa State and. I just yeah I don't know.
2: I mean, look, the the problem is that who works in Los Angeles, right? right? Yeah, how do how do you work in Los Angeles? (laughs) Yeah, you gotta have somebody. You know, you you gotta have uh, you gotta have somebody who is, um, and 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 that's the thing though. Now they'll say, hey, we're gonna be thorough with our search, and you better have you better have the guy, or you know, you better have the team picked out. Very, very soon, because as soon as the season goes gets done, you got to be in the transfer
7: portal trying to rebuild your team. Well, even look at a guy like Chip Kelly coming to LA, and I know UCLA football is not the same as USC. However, you know we thought, man, look out, Chip Kelly coming to us to UCLA, and then you see the first couple of seasons, you're like, oh man, Chip Kelly's lost it. Now, look at what they are. We're like Chip Kelly at UCLA. Like there's a roller coaster city loves winners. It does. Doug Gottlieb, show here on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Joel Klatt joins us, fresh off calling Oregon's upset win against Ohio State in the shoe. But the, the story of the moment is Clay Helton was fired only two games in. But if you saw how bad, how embarrassing that performance was, and they, they weren't great the week before. So, so Joel, if you're Mike Bone, or Mike Bone calls you and says, Joel... You call SC games, you call games all over the country, you know how this thing works. Who do you hire?
5: Oh, man, that is, this immediately becomes the most interesting non-football topic in college football for the rest of the season, first of all. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah. Yeah, no no um, question, because it's a, it's a destination job, right? It's a destination there's, job.
5: There's no doubt. Um let me back up for a moment, if you don't mind, okay? because um, I've got a lot going on and in, in, you know, a lot of strands in old Duder's head. Isn't that how the line goes? <laughs> um, so, Doug, doesn't this feel like a reaction more to the conference and what's happened in the first two weeks than maybe even the actual play on the field for USC? Because let's be honest. We've seen some poor play from USC on the field over the course of each of the last two and maybe even three seasons. We saw that horrendous recruiting class that he had before they played Iowa in uh, the holiday bowl in which Iowa really bludgeoned them in that game. That was right after Mike Bone was hired. So a lot of factors go into this. People are like, well, why now? Well, okay. So, so first of all, you have to understand that when Mike Bone first got the job at USC, a, a lot of things were not settled at the university as a whole, whether it's from a leadership perspective or financially, in order for them to make decisions like a, a head football coach. So they kind of had to get their room in order before they moved on. They had to reshuffle the book, bookcase before they decided on, like, what curtains they were going to h- hang in front of the window. So now they've gotten things more in order. They they look at what the potential of the financial you know situation is at the university, and and now they can sit there and look at their head coach. Okay, so now you're looking at your head coach, and at the same time, your crosstown rival beats LSU and looks to be physical. They look to have recruited fairly well and developed maybe even better with a very good head coach that's been to a national championship game and coached in the NFL. And Oregon the previous week went to Ohio State, a perennial power, one of the blue bloods, one of the five programs that we would say are playoff contenders every single year. They go in there and they win. I mean, maybe not convincingly, but like that's a huge win. So for my seat, this was just a, a a stacking of the dominoes against Clay Helton. It almost wasn't a, a matter so much of what it looked like Saturday night against Stanford, although that was really bad. It was also all of these other factors that led to the point where it says now's the time. And it seems like an interesting time, but you know what? At USC, this is what they do. we got tarmacs. We've got guys... That are you know having substance abuse issues. Now we've got a September firing. I mean, like this is par for the course for the Trojans. It feels like.
2: It it, it does. Uh, James Franklin. I didn't even answer your question. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to give you No, no. I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you three name. Like one. What's the order you call? And two, who would take it of these three? James Franklin, Chris Peterson, Bob Stoops. Any of the three take it.
5: Um, I think, well, I don't want to, uh, I mean, Penn State fans would be furious with me. I think James would look really intently on that. I don't think Chris Peterson wants to get back into coaching, although I could be wrong. And I know, and I really don't think Bob wants to coach. So I, I don't think that's the road that they would go. Actually, the first name, listen, if I was Mike Bone and, and Oregon fans can be mad at me if I, if they want, I would... I would park myself in Eugene, Oregon and force them to either pay Mario $10 million a year or get Mario Cristobal because because what I saw Saturday, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but what I saw on Saturday was a culmination for Mario of three years of recruiting at an elite level. It wasn't just what they were able to do from a schematic standpoint against Ohio State, and they severely outcoached the Ohio State staff, but they were also better at the line of scrimmage and... When you're looking at their second and third level players on defense, while they gave up a lot of yards, guess what they didn't give up? Explosive plays. Why? Because they tackled in space incredibly well. So this guy is a recruiting monster, monster. If you gave him the backyard of Southern California, I don't think that there's many people in the country that could out-recruit him. I think that USC would have the top, or one of the top three recruiting classes immediately in the country for the foreseeable future. That's why the first name on my list would be Mario Cristobal. All
2: right, let's 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 discuss that victory. Uh, Oregon goes in, and you did point out, hey, this is about the Pac-12. But then you look around the Pac-12, you're like, well, Utah got beat by BYU, and then it's you know, and you see what happens at USC, Stanford the week before had gotten demolished by Kansas State. Um, so it, it it's more about ucla more about Oregon. is it just as simple as a hey, both those teams one up front right which is that's the thing you're least expected when you think about a pac twelve team, especially Oregon is you win in the trenches against Ohio State. Was it more about Oregon or was it more about Ohio State?
5: I think it was a combination of both, not to elude the you know the question, but I think it was a combination of both. I thought that the Offensive line for Oregon did a heck of a job against a very good defensive line. I thought that the defensive line of Oregon did a marvelous job while they weren't necessarily per- providing a ton of pressure in the passing game. They didn't allow Ohio state to run the ball. Well, and, and so, you know, a lot of kudos have to go to those guys and they were undermanned without cave Thibodeau. And even, you know, to a lesser extent, um, uh, not Sewell, but, uh, Justin Flo who didn't play in the game. So, Doug, I think the thing that Ohio State fans are are most disappointed in. Let me just give you an example. There was this formation that Oregon kept running, and it, they had four, all basically all four of their receivers, a tight end and three receivers on one side of the ball. Now they all can't be eligible in that formation. Why? Because two of them have to be on the line of scrimmage, which means right. which means They're one of up. those guys is yeah. going to be covered up. Okay? It just is. They had the far two players both on the line of scrimmage, which I think is very smart. Why is that smart? Because that means that the tight end can be in the, that flex position and be a motion man, and one of the reasons why they wanted that motion man in particular right behind the ball or right behind the offensive line is because Ohio State's linebackers don't deal with that very well. They like to run man defense, man coverage, and then the linebackers can get out of position based on the movement of that tight end and following him across the formation. But that wasn't the most egregious thing that Ohio State was doing on defense. Did you know, and I am livid at myself, and I'm sure you, you will have memories of this, like you get done calling a game and you're thinking about it and you're like, I thought that in my head at one point, but I don't know I if I said, said it, it on the yeah. air. Yeah. They were in man press coverage on both of the wide receivers at the top of the formation, meaning there was an ineligible player that they were in bump coverage on as if he was going to run a route. That is a massive coaching mistake. Massive. Think about that for a moment. The only thing that player can do is stand up and look back at his quarterback. That's it. That's it. And they were in bump coverage on him, wasting one of your 11 defenders. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, they are shredding the short side of the field and manipulating the linebackers to the tune of hundreds of yards rushing and big plays for touchdowns and conversions and they continued to play bump coverage on an ineligible receiver. That's wild.
2: Joel Klatz, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's get to Iowa, Iowa State. Um, I did pick Iowa because I watched them dismantle Indiana the previous week. Um, and And Iowa State gets the benefit of the Hey, look, it, last year they sucked early in the season, and then they got it going. I think it just might be as simple as, like, look, this is a personnel mismatch as much as anything. The Big Ten, a team like Iowa, is just bigger, badder, and better than Iowa State. Was it coaching? Was it personnel?
5: Well, I, I think that on, on Iowa's defensive side, it's, it's a scheme that is incredibly tough to play against. And, and they recruit and develop to their strength. They run a very simple defense that maintains its levels, so they don't run a lot of man coverage. They play what's called quarters coverage. Um, that coverage provides heavy run support from the safeties, and yet those safeties also have deep responsibility. I think uh, it's when when a team knows how to run that defense, it's incredibly tough to play against. That's what Bill Snyder's Kansas State teams did for years and years. It's one of the reasons why they were so good and rose to prominence under, under uh, Bill Snyder. But it's, it's the ability to force an opponent to snap the ball 9, 10, 11, 12 times in order to score, whether that's a field goal or a touchdown. And what you're banking on is the fact that they can't do that, that they can't execute that many times in a row in order to get points. And, and that came to fruition. Because I didn't even think Iowa's offense was that good, by the way. I mean, they got dominated on the stat sheet and won the game pretty handily because their defense was so good. They shut <laughs> down Maurice Hall. And and one thing that, that I would say is their pass defense is so difficult to have success against. So once they get a lead, it's not even that they've got a great pass rush as much as their pass defense, because all the eyes are in this zone coverage back in the backfield. So, Doug, there's these two quarterbacks who we all would have thought veteran guys going to have big years this year. Michael Penix Jr. from Indiana, Brock Purdy from Iowa State. You know what they've done combined against the Iowa defense in the first two weeks? Not much. Under, 50, under 50% under fifty completion percentage with zero touchdowns and six interceptions. Six. So, you, you know, they're, they're doing something right on that defensive side. And their coordinator at Iowa is a guy named Phil Parker. He's like the furniture at Iowa. He's been there forever. And he's done a marvelous job.
2: Yeah. No, it's, it's a little bit of um... – I don't know if you play ping pong, you know, that annoying guy in ping pong who just returns every serve, every, every, you get smashed. He just keeps returning and returning, waiting for you to make the mistake. A little bit of that with Iowa's defense. There's no doubt. I think that's a,
5: that's a, that is a great analogy. And what ends up happening is that you feel that they, they force you into a mentality where you feel like you have to force the issue. Yeah. And, and that's the, and, and once you do that, then you're immediately beaten. So, Iowa, I tell you what, Iowa's going to be tough to beat. they got to clean some things up on the offensive side, but let's not make the mistake of thinking Iowa State is not a really stellar defense. That's still a really good defense, and so I think Iowa's got a shot. This is <laughs> Remember a few years ago, they played undefeated in the Big Ten championship game and lost to Michigan State. Um, I tell you what, this looks like this looks like a year in which you're gonna get a really good Wisconsin team against a really good Iowa team for the Big Ten West.
2: Uh Michigan. Place was jumping. Defense looked good. Washington's not very good. Their offense is a mess. Um I, I still I I don't really understand how Jim Harbaugh cannot be able to find and develop a quarterback considering that's what he's done at every other place he's been, right? He's he's found and developed at San Diego. The, uh, what's his named Johnson. He made into a pro quarterback. Obviously Andrew Luck was a highly talented recruit. Alex Smith was never a stable, starter. So he got like, how has he not been able to find a quarterback?
5: I don't know. I don't get it at all. And I don't know if it's Kate McNamara's problem or it's the fact that they haven't recruited tall elite wide receivers. I wonder if it's a different game. If Ronnie Bell is on the field, remember Ronnie Bell left yep. week one with a, a leg injury and, and he's gone for the season. Uh, It certainly felt like a game plan from Josh Gattis that was going to limit their exposure in the passing game. And the reason I say that is it felt almost like what Minnesota was the week before against Ohio state, where every single play they're going to line up, it's going to be a big formation where they've got at least one tight end most of the time two, And then they're going to get up there. They're going to get set. And then they're all going to sit up and look at the, at the sideline and they're not going to snap the ball until five. So what does that do for you? Well, it lets you, if you can gain you know, yards, in particular on first down and stay on schedule, it allows you to play a slow, methodical style of game in which you're dictating the tempo. It keeps your defense rested, in particular a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, so that he can potentially go out and dominate the game as what seems to be a top 20 NFL draft pick next spring. So all of these, these things then start coming to fruition, and then your guys start believing, and then – you start realizing that the other side is not as tough as they think they are. And Washington still calls and plays defense like Vita Vea is, is in there at defensive tackle. Remember, he was a Husky. Remember how, he's good, how good he was Thursday night? Just yep. shoving the Cowboy offensive lineman right back into Dak Prescott's lap. Well, he was doing that in college for a while, and it feels like Jimmy Lake, their head coach now, who was the coordinator at the time, still wants to play defense like he has elite interior players like that when they don't. And Michigan just bully-balled them the whole night. They ran it for over 340 yards. And, and, and we'll see. Now, I don't think Michigan's elite, because guess what? You're going to have to throw the ball at some point. And they showed no ability to throw the ball, which is more, probably more an indictment of where Washington is at, where they can get beat by a one-dimensional Michigan team that has no expectations on them this season, that's not even a top-25 team, rather than it was some amazing performance from Michigan.
2: Um. I know you watched A&M against uh, your Buffs and what was a really oh, exciting game. I mean, it was, hurt my it, heart. Yeah, it was, it was a great, great football game. Um, but this was supposed to be the year in which, and we hear this all the time, oh, this is the year a and is going to challenge him And they obviously have to go with Calzada because of the injury to King. Um, but, I mean, Calzada was not great. Some of it is CU's defense. Where are you in early season on Texas A&M, who's supposed to be that one team that can, uh, that can challenge Bama?
5: So there were two questions for me coming into the season about Texas A&M. Um, one was, how good could their defense be? And the other, because I thought it was an excellent defense and had the potential to be a great defense. And then the other was, what in the world are we getting out of their quarterback? Um, and, and the first one about the excellent defense hasn't panned out necessarily only because – and forgive me for – I'm totally blanking his name, but they're, they've got a defensive tackle that was suspended for the first two weeks. He's a heck of a player. They're going to get him back now moving forward, which, Doug, I think makes them better against the run, and that's where they've struggled in the first couple of weeks. I thought Colorado ran the ball pretty well against them, and that's what kept Colorado in the game is that they could win the time of possession – keep it close. Uh, And I don't know if that's going to be afforded teams versus A&M moving forward because of the addition and strength of that front seven. Now uh, with that suspended player back, the quarterback, however, is a larger issue and it doesn't look like Haynes uh, King is going to be back anytime soon. They're saying maybe for Alabama at this point. So now you're going to move forward with your backup quarterback. And that did not look like an offense that inspired much confidence to be quite honest with you. It it looks very one dimensional with a real uh, struggle throwing the ball. Now, Colorado's defense is pretty good. I'm not just saying that because I'm an alum. They're pretty salty on defense. Uh, but I think a and is going to have to figure some things out quick in terms of throwing the ball and trying to become more explosive moving forward.
2: Yes, yeah, McKinley Jackson is the kid's name, the defensive lineman who's, who's, back, this, who's back this week uh, against, against New Mexico. Um, is the story Arkansas or is the story Texas?
5: Um, it's Texas because Ar- there's no expectation around Arkansas. Um, and I don't think Arkansas, Arkansas is not going to be clamoring for a division title in the SEC now. It's great for them. Good, I mean, good win for them. Don't want to take anything away. But this certainly was more of an indictment of a Texas team that they do this to us all the time. They win a game in which you're like, wow, well, Louisiana is pretty good. And, Texas looked really good against Louisiana. you start thinking, well, surely they're going to go take care of business against Arkansas, and then what ends up happening, Doug? They play atrocious on defense. They can't tackle, they don't get lined up right, and quite frankly, their plan wasn't wasn't terrific. I'm watching the film of that game uh late last night and doug uh, there's a nondescript I think it was first quarter, yeah, it was the first quarter. I got the note right here first quarter about six six minutes and fifty seconds left in the first. It's third and six. So you're still kind of unfolding your game plan, right? How are you going to adjust to certain formations? It's an empty set from Arkansas. No backs in the backfield. Mm -hmm. And Texas wants to run man coverage. That's fine. They've got man coverage out there. Now, here's the problem. You can't have your lone linebacker then walk up into the feet of the offensive linemen. They do that. And I'm like, okay, there's no levels of defense. So the only thing, like, you have to slant your defensive line or run a stunt or else there's going to be a massive lane for the quarterback to run for as many yards as he want to until right. the safety hits him. And the safety's back at 20 yards. Why? Because it's cover one man defense. And they have these five guys up the line of scrimmage. None of them slant. None of them stunt. And the quarterback for Arkansas runs for 16 yards on the third and six. And I'm like, what type of a defensive plan is this? (laughs) I I don't mean to be like old man shouting at the clouds, but you can't do that. And we've see, I saw countless examples of coaches not putting their players in position to succeed all during the course of the weekend. Saw it at Ohio State. Their defensive plan was was not good, and their execution was probably worse. I saw examples in that Michigan-Washington game. Uh, Washington ran a, a fourth and four right before the half from about the 31-yard line. It's 10-0. Washington goes forward on fourth down, 31-yard line. Got to go score before the half, about five minutes to go in the half. It's fourth and four. They run a zone read. And the read man, the end man on the line of scrimmage, just crashes down. Why does he crash down? Well, because there's an overhang. So there's two players over there, and they're running zone read. So guess what? The back's going to get stopped by the end, and the overhang's going to take the quarterback if he decides to keep the ball. So the quarterback hands the ball off, and they tackle him for no gain, and it's Michigan ball. I'm like – I, I'm sorry, are these co- do the coaches in the box not have a headset on? Do they, can we not call a timeout? I'm sorry to be this guy getting upset, but like, can we put the kids in position? No, you got, you got, you're
2: exactly right. He does. It becomes infuriating and we end up fans end up saying the kid didn't do this and didn't do that. And you're like, no, nah, actually, you got to put a guy, give a guy a chance and put him in the right place. Joel, awesome stuff. Where are you this week?
5: Uh, OU Nebraska, 50th anniversary of the Game, game of the, the century. century in 1971. Yeah. Can't wait to get out there,
2: man. Yeah, Nebraska can't wait to get out of there after. after the <laughs> They're better better this past week, but it's a game that they uh, allegedly did not want to play, and now the Sooners look so much better after week two than they did after week one. Safe travels, and thanks, uh, thanks for joining us.
5: You got it, button. Have a good day.
2: That's the one and only Joel Klatt.
1: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.